Hey yo, Kangaroo Chasers. This is Mike Millwood for The Raw. You will notice that it's not What's Up Kangaroo Chasers because we are The Raw Presents the Chasing Kangaroos World Cup Special, which means that Michael Cavoli is with me, Michael. How you doing, Mike? Good to be here with you for The Raw Sports Presents Chasing Kangaroos World Cup Special. We've got to work on the name, but I think it's okay for now. Uh, this show is going to be a little bit different to what the Kangaroo Chasers are used to. It's going to be headline acts from hopefully each of the World Cup nations between now, the World Cup. We'll go deep into the World Cup as well, dissect the games, etc., etc. It's going to be a lot of fun, and we're starting with an absolute cracker. Man, when you told me about this guest, I was pretty excited because, to me, he's probably one of the best NRL pundits at the moment, and um, you've been told you sound a little bit like him, so hopefully our listeners are aren't too confused by this one, but I'm looking forward to it, mate. Tell us who it is. Yeah, I'm surprised. You think I sound so much like Paul Kent? <laughs> <laughs> no, it is James Graham, England's all-time record appearance holder, a legend on both sides of the world, a legend at St. Helens, a legend with England, a legend with the Dragons, with the Bulldogs. And if you just listen to him talking in his interview with me, he you can tell how much he cares about the England team, how important representing England was. I can't really think of anybody better to kick off group... Team one of Group A, they're going to be in the opener against Samoa in October. So here's Jim Graham. Very great. Of course, James Graham, thanks for talking to us. My pleasure. Really uh, excited to talk anything about England. Um, always gets me excited. So, um, yeah, delighted to be talking about them. Yeah, and I know you've obviously got your own podcast now. And I heard you talk with Wayne Bennett about how much playing for England meant for you. So I'm really happy that we've got someone who, who's so passionate. And also the record appearance holder for England always helps. Yeah, um, I, I, I was incredibly passionate about um, playing for my country. It was um, a huge honour. And it's something that when, it fit, when, when I got my debut, I was blown away and sort of went off the rails a little bit with with England and I think back to the 2008 World Cup which was a massive disappointment um, but you know f- thanks to the work of actually Steve McNamara I think he was the one that really ignited a lot of change within the playing group and what England meant um, so he he actually deserve, deserves a lot of credit for just how far England rugby league has come and then obviously Wayne took over and uh, just took us to that next level with, with, with passion wise and some of the some of the trips and some of the um, experiences that we had under him on and off the field. Yeah, I know. I mean, what, what sort of invited me to have to get you as a guest if possible was because of listening to your podcast with Wayne Bennett, what he was talking about in terms of, you know, what he tried to instill in the team and some of the stuff you said. I remember the stuff you said about playing at Anfield in 2018, which I think even the most, the biggest international league fans won't think is like one of the highlights, but for you that was the most important thing, right? Yeah, it was, um, and there was a lot of thing, a lot, a lot of reasons why. Um, so we'd had the the 2017 World Cup, but we come so close. Um, but I feel that that group of players needed to to win something to sort of solidify us and and, and make it count. We, we were an unbelievable team, even the you know the the players that were unavailable from the World Cup. There's still core group of us there that were from the World Cup in 17, but felt like we really wanted to to win something. And that the, the opportunity was there to win the, the Test Series against the Kiwis and a, and, a, and a Kiwi team that was, you know, number one in the world. Um, again, given our injury toll, 
not many teams or not many people give us much of a, a chance. We had an amazing um, battle with them at Hull. I remember Oliver Gildard scored a fantastic try going in and away um, to, to seal that victory. And then, yeah, we go we go down to Anfield with you know the ser- opportunity to take the series out, which is a is the position that you want to be in. But obviously, you know, you start to you know you've got two two for, two rolls of the dice, so to speak. So um, it wasn't easy. Sean O'Loughlin, our, our captain, was unfortunately injured, so I I got to skip with the team. And and for me, um, living over here, going back to. To play in my um, home city, you know, it had been a long time since a lot of friends and family had seen me play live, um, which meant a lot to me. Um, doing it in my home city was to win win that test series there. Uh, it was on a personal level, it was right up there with everything I've ever done in the game. I was so overwhelmed at the end of the game, and just seeing my friends and family after the match was just meant so much to me. And that the fact that we won. The test series was just that icing on the cake for for all that. You know, well, to be fair, it wouldn't have been the same without that. Uh, if we'd have gone there and lost, it would have been awful. But it, that's my personal side to it. But then, you know, for a game, say, an England rugby league, say, it was a, just a phenomenal performance. It was one of the, the greatest games of rugby league I've ever been a part of. It was just fantastic. Tommy Makinson that day was on another planet. He was exceptional it was a and it was a great advert for our sport especially being in a in not in in a non-hotbed area like liverpool i think that's yeah what made me think of sort of getting you on for this based on that story as well is that obviously we're going back to Hanfield, we're going to newcastle to the big stadiums there and i think of when you know we're not too apart in age when we were growing up england played in like blackburn and wigan and all and they played in places where they knew they could get a crowd and not anybody more but the confidence that the game was to say, no, we're going to go to Newcastle and we're going to sell it out. We're going to go to Anfield and we're going to sell it out. That's such a big deal in this World Cup. And I know it's something they did in 2013, which you played in as well. And I wonder if, you know, we hope that they'll sell out those games. What advantage could it have on the England team? You know, it's going to be an atmosphere, unlike like it is week to week in the NRL, if we're honest, in terms of partisanship, in terms of the noise. What was it like in 2013 when you had that at your back and obviously went to the semi-finals and let's not talk about the end yeah. it's still too harsh. Yeah, look, uh, well, that, that sport, isn't it? Sometimes you don't get what you think you deserve and there's two teams or many teams going for the same prize as you um, and it can't be shared. And and you get to, you realise that and accept that. Um, but in terms of the atmosphere, it, it's one of the things that England really has in its favour for this World Cup. The atmosphere of a packed out stadium, it can, it can be the difference. It really can. Um, and I'm delighted to see our game go to to new places. Obviously, they've had the the magic weekend in Newcastle for a number of years now, and um, so the people there should be no stranger, sort of strangers to rugby league. But obviously, we need to get as many people involved and as many eyeballs on our sport as possible. And I think Newcastle is a, gr- a great place to do that. They're obviously a, a sport mad city with with their with their football team and stuff like that. So. I think it's vitally important that we we spread the word about our game because I, I love our I love the product and I know a lot of other people do, but it's like the, the world's best kept secret, which we need to change. Yeah, and I, I'm I wonder as well that the first game against Samoa, like obviously we cover the NRL week to week. Samoa, you look at their team. Actually, did our report for the road today on 
on the potential Samoa team, and you just look and you go, bloody hell, that's going to be good. Whereas, and I think on that first game, where Samoa might not have played a warm-up, England might have played a Fiji the week before, the fact that England can go in and almost, you know, that's pretty much make or break in terms of the draw. They go this side, it's a lot easier than going. If they lose, they end up playing Tonga, I think, in the quarterfinals or whatever, it could get very hard. How much is that going to be where England are going to come in red hot? They're going to have 50,000, hopefully, Newcastle fans going behind them. How much effect can that actually have as a player when you've got that behind you? Yeah, look, it's massive. I I know for me, I draw on the crowd many times and especially playing for England. Um, Like hearing the the crowd roar and get behind you is massive. You know, and and knowing being in in a stadium, pretty much everyone there is going to be on your side. Like, it, like it, that should fill you with goosebumps and, and push that little bit further. Like the psychology of sport is is amazing. It's just a piece of grass, but the same dimensions everywhere in the world. But where you play and who's in that stadium does affect the outcome of the result and affects the level of performance from players. And it, it baffles me that it does, but it does, and it's real. So the England crowd can have a, a massive difference. But in terms of what you're saying about, you know, the, the added pressure to, to to get the victory against Samoa because of, you know, where where that might take us draw-wise, I, I certainly, I, I wouldn't be focusing on that. Um, if you're going to win the World Cup, you're going to have to be the best. So, you know. Start week one. Start week one. And that's all that matters. It doesn't matter. You know, you, you, you can't be looking at it as this is our opportunity to go on there you know, quote-unquote, easier side of the draw. There's no easy games in rugby league and that certainly can't be the mentality going into this game one. It's got to be we're here to be a top-quality Samoan team that are coming to play, you know, with the recruitment that... or the the, the lads that have, you know, de- declared their eligibility and, and their will and want to play for Samoa, uh, that's huge because I talk about the passion for, for England and the difference of the crowd. Well, make no mistake, these lads that are representing Samara, there's a big reason why they're doing it and they're not going to let that jersey down. And I think was, what's interesting about sort of you as a, as a guest on the podcast as well is that you transition now. Obviously, you're a pundit now on a lot of media here in Australia, but you've played with a lot of the lads. You mentioned Tommy McIntyre, he's probably going to play. You know, it's not that long ago that you were in this team. 2019, obviously, the Great Britain team is slightly different, but a lot of the same faces. And I wonder what the expectations are on this team, especially because you've got almost the entire forward pack now has played in the NRL. So they're not they're going to be unaware of the standard over here. They're going to know the guys having played against them week to week. I think there's only really Wormsley from the starting pack who's the best kept seeker in rugby league as far as I'm concerned. And you're going to have a team which knows exactly what the expectations are. And, and in the past, you might have had, you know, you played with St. Helens, you've played World Cup challenges against one NRL team. I think that a lot of people are going to sleep on this England team because their expectations of having seen the Super League or whatever is totally different to the team that might actually take the field. I wonder what your thoughts are from sort of without now and within before. Yeah, um, you, you make a good point about, about the forward pack, um, but everyone will know about Alex Walmsley over here. They all know about him. They've all seen him play. Um, I think expectation-wise, I imagine Sean Wayne... His expectation is we lift the trophy, and and that's it. That that's that's got to be the expectation, you know. How you get there, 
that's a different story about that's about growing the belief within the camp but long-term expectation will be we win the trophy we use our strength like the crowd like our forward pack and some classy touches out wide um but i'm excited i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get too carried away it's gonna be a very difficult tournament and you need the stars to align sometimes but i've got the utmost confidence that this england team um, although the squad's not been picked yet, just seeing the, the names around the squad or the potentials, um, I, I think they can they, they can go all the way. They've got to get some things right and they've got to make improvements from the mid-season test against um, the, um, the combined... Yeah, the All-Stars the, team. The, yeah. the All team. Um, but yeah, with some handy additions to, to add to that over here. But I think that's where Sean Wayne's expectation will be. But there's, you know, baby steps. And obviously, you played against a couple of Sean Wayne's. It's like I actually met him at Magic Round. I met him, had a little chat with him, and he seems to be very focused on, you know, he's, he was a Wigan. He was very forwards first, defense first kind of coach, which I think is the right way to play with the England team he has forwards wise. And you know, you played against a lot of his teams, and he's going to make life very, very difficult for whoever's on the other side just through the way that he plays. Do you think that that's going to help England in terms of, you know, he's a guy who. You know, he's been there and done that both as a player and as a coach and knows the English game inside out and also respects the way that it's played over here in terms of what the opposition are going to do. Yeah, look, I think Sean Wayne will have his fingerprints and his identity all over this team. Um, I've never been coached by him, but I've listened to him speak. Um, I've obviously played against his teams on numerous occasions and they stand for something. Uh, now, I'm not going to give too many secrets away, but... Um, I expect the England team that takes the field uh, for this World Cup to be to be looking like a short mind team. And I think one of your former teammates is going to be absolutely crucial. He's been red hot in the Super League over here is Johnny Lomax. And maybe it's worth giving up. A lot of people listen to this won't have seen too much Super League. How good a player is he and what sort of player is he on the park? Because to me, he's one of the best halfbacks in the world. And if he was playing in the NRL, people would think that. Yeah, absolutely. I um, couldn't agree more with you. I, I think he is one of the best halfbacks in the world. Um, he's had a terrific journey, Johnny. Uh, he's a close friend of mine. I love watching him play. I love playing with him. I think, you know, I, I personally think he was the the best the best player in the competition um, in England for certainly 2019 and 2020. I think he should have got Man of Steel in those years, but he didn't. But I, no doubt he was the, the most influential and best player in Super League for those two years, in my opinion, back-to-back, without doubt. So, yeah, I, I've not watched as much of him this year, but I, I know what he's, he's capable of. And again, by all reports, he's playing at that same standard and um, he's done he's done really well for England in the past and he'll be a, he'll be a key part of, of any success England have. And just sort of the last big name, I think, obviously I'm going to hit you on the Saints players because you've played with them all. Jack, Jack Wellsby is, again, is another guy who I think has not gone through. You know, he, a lot of NFL players might not have heard of him. He's very young. Actually, when I looked him up today in terms of, I was trying to work out how many games he played. He's played like 80 games of first grade. He's won two grand finals yeah. already. And he's, and he's played almost every position from one to six equally. Yeah. And so he's going to be, I think he'll start at 14 for England in terms of they'll bring him on because he can play so many different positions. But you played for him when he was coming through at 18. Like, just how good a talent is he in? What can fans expect when they see him? You know, if you've never seen him before, what are you going to see in Jack Wellsby? 
Yeah, well, I, I can remember actually watching Jack Wellsby's debut, which happened to be against the Sydney Roosters in the World Cup Challenge. And I thought, oh, no, they've, they've picked a, you know, a, a debut in a debut game at fullback against the Roosters in the World Cup Challenge. Or maybe it wasn't his debut, maybe it was his, you know, yeah, it was his first or second yeah, game. Yeah, first or second game. I was like, oh, no, this poor kid, like, probably doesn't know what he's going to get himself in for here. But he stood his ground. He was fantastic that night and he's just gone from strength to strength. And I was fortunate again to play with him for the, the back half of that season 2020 when I went back and he was a phenomenal talent. Um, and I think we're just scratching the surface with Jack as well. I don't think he realises how good he can be. Um, but yeah, he'll be a very handy addition to that to that England side. And I think at, at, at 40, but what, he'll want to start, no doubt. He'll want to um, try and displace maybe Tompkins or or try and get a, a spot in the half somewhere. Um, but if not, it'll, you know, it, it'd be fantastic coming off the bench for us, just lighting the game up, just giving him that free reign to go and do whatever he wants to do and create havoc with the ball and create some opportunities in attack. You know, when forwards are getting tired, the last thing you want is Jack Wellsby running at you. He's like a little barrel. He's so fast in our job, but he's also so strong at the same time. I think people are going to be really excited to see him. Yeah, so. absolutely. He's a phenomenal athlete. He really is. But like I say, we, Jack's not even scratched the surface yet. This kid, yeah, if he applies himself over the next couple of years, could be anything. And I've got to ask you the last question. We've been, I know you've got a shoot off, right? And we've been kicking this around on our podcast for a while, right? As the resident palm on the podcast, I've been giving people tips about England, right? So you can have a pick. There's games in St. Helens, there's games in Liverpool. If fans are coming over, a lot of people listening to this will be travelling over for the tournament. What's the best thing to eat if they go to St. Helens or Liverpool? Oh, if you go to St. Helens or Liverpool. Um, actually, the Aussies, they, they get get fish and chips with um, mushy peas and gravy on. Can't <laughs> because you. they don't get, they, they don't really have it over here. Um, what else? Try a black pudding, maybe. Because you wouldn't know what that is, but just try it first. Don't tell them what it is. Don't tell them what don't ask. <laughs> don't, don't look it up what it is. Um, They've lost out because Nosley Road, the old St. Helens ground, had the best chippy behind it. That was like an early world standard. Crispy Cod. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. yeah it's good, mate. It's good. Yeah. Um, no, like, there's loads to do in Liverpool. You can be anywhere in the world, Liverpool. It's brilliant. It's a great city. Um, obviously, but food wise, yeah, the only thing that, oh, yeah, just the, Chips, chips with gravy and mushy peas or try curry sauce as well something, <laughs> something different hey, there you go brilliant thanks so much for your time man. all good Great. that was James Graham thanks so much to James as we mentioned in the podcast he has his own podcast called The Buy Round which you should go and listen to because it's really really good um, if you like that you'll love the interview that he did with Wayne Bennett he's another one with Victor Radley about his decision to play for England so both of those are really good I actually think he did the interview with Victor Adley the day after I spoke to him. Otherwise, I would have brought it up had I listened to it, but I haven't. Um, but I have listened to it since, and it's very good. Shall we talk about England's prospects? Because we've heard what James Graham thinks, but, you know, who cares what he thinks when he can listen to what Michael Carboni thinks? There was one thing he did say that, um, for me, like, good on him for saying it. I don't know if I agree with it. He said that uh, England's expectation is to win the trophy. Now, it's great that he's talking a bit big game they're the home nation i don't know if they will 
But uh, I'm glad they're confident, man. He's certainly confident in Sean Wayne. And he's confident in the squad. I mean, I've seen your squad as as predicted um, on Raw Sports, raw, theraw.com.au. So check it out, anyone who's listening. We might put a link in the show notes in this one. But um, looking at your predicted squad, it is pretty strong. But do they should they be expecting to win the trophy, as James says? You tell me, Mike. Look, so... I'm not sure. Our audience, obviously, is very global. If you don't watch the Super League, you will probably... Oh, snooze. Obviously, our audience is very global. So I'm sure if you don't watch the Super League, I'm not sure how much of a Sean Wayne team you'll have seen. But that's what Sean Wayne teams do. Like, they go in expecting to win every single mm. game. He's a very sort of single-minded character. He's got a, a very specific style. Everyone knows I love a coaching philosophy, and he has very much got one. Um, and I think if you look at the team, they're going to play a power game. They're going to play, you know, through a big, big forward pack full of NRL and ex-NRL talent. People are going to be able to see from the first minute that England run on the field what they're all about. I don't think there's going to be any surprises come out, put it that way. So they've got to go in hoping to win. Like then They're on home turf. And I think the big thing that England has for them, and maybe this is a COVID thing, I don't know, is that People's opinion of the Super League has gone through the floor. Yeah. But I think Super League is, whilst the league in general is not as good as it was maybe 10 years ago, or maybe even 15 years ago, the best team in the Super League, St. Helens, I think would finish in the top, top eight. Certainly the NRL, if not higher than that, on a third of the salary cap. Like I think they're a really good team. The best team we've seen in the Super League since the great Leeds, Leeds teams of, sort of 2010 kind of era. So, and England are going to have a load of players out of that system. They've also got more players with NRL experience than I think they've ever had before. So the idea that there's going to be this big gulf, well, I don't think there is. You know, I think from the starting team that they're going to put out, every player pretty much has played, either played in the NRL or played for that St. Helens team, which has been incredibly successful in England as a unit. And I think team cohesion is something that most teams won't have that England will have. And of course, they're, they're playing at home, which for English teams historically has been a massive advantage whether that's been in terms of the crowd in terms of the conditions it's going to be you know i always think how much everybody complains about the weather on a sunday afternoon in canberra well it's going to be <laughs> half the temperature of a sunday afternoon in canberra for every single game and probably raining which traditionally has helped england along over the years i think the problem with england is going to be that they've got i think the one to 17 is great and crucially now i've done as you, as you say for the raw we've done predictions of every single team that's going to be released over the coming weeks. And most international teams struggle in one area because it's very difficult to have, you know, when you can't go out and recruit players, you've only got the, the players that you've got. You know, you look at Samoa and how good they are, but they've got key positions where they just don't have anybody. Same for Tonga. Um, England have one to 17 really good players in every position. The difference between England and I suppose New Zealand and Australia is that England don't have anywhere near the depth. So the first 17 that can get on the field is very, very good. The underneath that, you know, you lose one player to injury and the guy coming up is a big drop-off, which doesn't really happen with Australia or New Zealand. And I think deeper into the tournament, that could be a problem. You know, if they were to lose, especially one of the halfbacks, yeah. like Johnny Lomax and George Williams, unbelievable players. Johnny Lomax has been the best halfback in Super League for years. George Williams, I think, was one of the better halfbacks in the NRL. It wasn't that he failed there. He went on because of personal reasons. Like he's not been enormously good this year for Warrington because nobody Warrington has, but you know he's he's a great player, I think. And if those two play at the same time, plus Sam Tompkins, who's the reigning player of the year in Super League, 
Like that's a pretty good it's experienced spine. There's no young players in there. Everybody's been around the block. You know, they'll be really, really good. It's just the case of if one of them was to go down, then yeah, things get pretty thin pretty fast. I think you're right in in terms of depth, right? So there's not but but their top seventeen, as you said, could be strong, and and there's a lot of players that even NRL fan, fans will recognise. You know, lots of them have played in the NRL, do play in the NRL. So guys like Sam Tompkins, Herbie Farnworth, Ryan Hall, you know, George Williams, uh, Luke Thompson, John Bateman, Elliot Whitehead, and of course Victor Radley. These are all players. You know, you're going to have probably Tom Burgess as well. They're all players that you've named in your in your predicted England squad, they're, they're all likely to be there. And, and it's pretty strong. They've got good experience on both sides of the world. They're very recognisable. There's Throw in a few players that, you know, NRL fans may be less likely to know. So someone like Alec Walmsley, I think you caught, you, you mentioned it in your chat with Gemma, probably one of the, the world's, uh, the best kept secrets of rugby league. If you're on this, on our side of the world here in Australia, you don't know who Alex Walmsley is or 90% of people won't. But he would mix it up with most, you know, middle forwards in the game here. Right? He's right up there, probably one of the world's best. Another one that I'm excited to see at this World Cup is Jack Wellsby. So he'll probably have like play the number 14 role off the bench, but he can play anywhere in the back line. He can play in the halves. And he's he sort of, I first noticed him, I think it was like an under-19s game where England beat Australia. I think that's the first time, or was it no, under-18s? It would have been a few years ago now, Mike. But he shone in that game, and he's been come on in leaps and bounds ever since. And he's probably the most likely in this English in, at this World Cup for England, I think, to sort of stand out as one of those players that Aussie Aussie fans, NRL fans, sort of go, "Wow, who is this guy? Where did he come from?" I'm really looking forward to seeing him. A couple of others. So you, there's a few that you have that you didn't mention, or you said were likely to just miss out of this squad. So one of them is is um, Jake Connor. Now, Jake has had his ups and downs. Um, probably uh, in... The people's champion, Jake Connor. In terms of raw talent, probably one of the best players in Super League, but he hasn't met that potential. And I think you said in your in your article, he's unlikely... To, he's not really a Sean Wayne kind of player. So do you, do you, you stand by that? Do you think he's, unli- he's unlikely to make this squad? Yeah, I mean, I actually spoke to Sean Wayne at Magic Weekend, and I had to I had to throw in a question there because he is my favourite player. Yeah. not just because he plays for let's see, but he's just such an unbelievable attacking player. He's I think the best comparison for um, for an NRL fan is kind of like Scott Drinkwater. Yeah. All attack, no defence, both passes both ways, kicks both ways, big, strong, got to run, got to pass, fast, everything. Don't like tackling very much. That's his problem. And Sean Wayne's a very he's a defense first coach, and he's not going to carry um, Jay Connor, I don't think, because if he, he's not going to play fullback where he plays for yeah. FC. And if he's not playing fullback, you can't really trust him in the in the defensive line. He's he's similar to yes when Drinkwater played at six, couldn't tackle well enough. Play him at one, you can hide him a little bit. Um, I would have said he would have been a perfect bench fourteen because alongside all of the um, you know the attacking stuff he has, he's also 100% mongrel, like loves to fight, gets you know gets himself into scrapes all the time. So he would have been perfect, you know, if, if he needed a change of pace. <laughs> and I think that a change of pace is a euphemism for someone to come and start yeah. a fight. But if you're going to pick Mickey McAlorum, then you've already kind of got that in there as well. Um, yeah, I think Wellesby's going to be so impressive. Like he's, I actually I counted for right in my um, right in my preview. I think he's only played like 80 games and he's 20. Yeah, well, like he's. He's played basically three seasons with men. He's got a winning try in the grand final after the siren in his first ever season. Like the guy's done everything. And he's played basically, you could split his whole career 
into sort of 20 game stints in every position and he's been brilliant at all of them. So he's he's just the perfect guy to bring off the bench and I think look he's I think he'll be in the NRL sooner than what, um, Yeah, he's the guy that all the NRL fans are going to say like can we get him to our club? Like he's definitely going to be that guy. Um I, I think he's going to have a, a standout World Cup. The other one that I hope to see in the squad and I'm I don't know if he's ready yet. But Will Price has been doing some good things in Super League. Now he's younger. He's, he'd probably be a good 14 at the next World Cup, but I'd, I'd like to see him there in this squad. I think, you know, potentially he's, he's a bit of a game breaker. Again, he could have his ups and downs. He's a bit young. Of course, his, his father has worn the jersey on numerous occasions. Um, I'd like to see Will Price there. You've left him out of your 24. You said he might just miss out. What do you think? Is there a chance for Will? No, I don't think there is at this stage. I think for two reasons. One, so he was going into this year in about round three. He got sent off for a spear tackle and got banned for 10 games. So he just missed a huge chunk. I know when, when Huddersfield got to the Challenge Cup final, he, that was the last game back. He could have played that week, but they chose not to play him because he hadn't played any games for two and a half months beforehand. Um, yeah, so he look, he's a great player. He's a very young talent. And I just think... Firstly, he's probably lacked game time. And secondly, he can play for Jamaica. So they might go, do you know what? Just chuck him in, play him for Jamaica. He'll get the experience in the tournament that way. And then in 2025, I I think he's going to sign for Newcastle over here. And then you'll probably see him in 2025. I think he's, uh, I think Dom Young's in the same boat as well. If this this World Cup was happening next year, you probably would see Dom Young in the England team. But I think they're going to say the same thing and go, do you know what? He's got a, he can go and play for Jamaica this time round, and we'll we'll use him later down the line because I think he's well, he's kind of the perfect Sean Wayne winger in terms of size and speed and stuff like that. But I just think Wayne he he is a sort he's a coach who likes the players that he likes, and he's going to pick a team to win this World Cup now rather than you know any theoretical this guy could be good in the future picks. Yeah. Like if you're a Mal Meninga, you might take a Joseph Swally for experience. Yeah. But Sean, not, he's not going to do that. He's going to take guys who he thinks can be useful to him now. Yeah, I guess he's got... Which I think is... He's good. got Mackinson and Hall on the wing who have proven themselves at that level and that's pro- they're probably more Sean Wayne picks. Um, I, look, I don't mind Price for Jamaica. Let's talk about him for Jamaica then on the Jamaican episode because him and Young at one and, and probably seven for Jamaica, that's actually pretty impressive. I don't mind that at all. And uh, you know what, England? Leave Price alone. Leave Price for Jamaica. I'd, I'd rather see that, I think. Yeah, well, for those of us who spot Ireland who have to play him, maybe not, because <laughs> he'll be their best player. But yeah, look, I think the, the, the other players that people should look out for in this, like we know, I think most fans will know, like you know, the players who played in the NRL. Um, John Bateman is, a, you know, he's he's exactly the same player who left as well. Same the same boat a little bit as Williams in the sense that I don't think he left because he wasn't good enough. He left because he kind of got sick of living in Canberra and who wouldn't. Yep. Um, I mean, sorry, Canberra. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's so cold. Let's go to the tropical places like Wigan. <laughs> um, but Mark Percival, he plays, uh, he'll almost certainly start in the four jumper. He's a really classy center. He's been the best center in Super League for a long time. And if he doesn't play, then there'll be Harry Newman from Leeds, yep. who's sort of the next cab off the rank. He's also just a real classy player. Um, I think you'll get at least one of them. Herbie Farmworth is supposed to be back from injury. We think he's going to be back. He's going to play the finals, however long that lasts for Brisbane. We don't know. And, um, yeah, and then he'll play for England. He's never played for England, which is amazing because he, for me, he's one of the most exciting players in the NRL in terms of, you know, he's got a bit of everything. Yep. 
he can run, he can pass, he can tackle, he can defend, all that sort of stuff. And he's a very, almost a very un-English kind of player in that. Like, we're good at producing quite strong sort of ball-playing centres, and he's much more of a tackle-breaker. Well, so he's come up in that He's exciting. come up in that Broncos system, so he's, he's sort of been brought up as an Aussie, you know, in the later part of his teenage years. So I think that's probably why you're seeing seeing that side of him instead. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think he's, if he plays, I think people are going to be surprised because like he's a, he's been an elite player for many years. I think he's a good example of why I think this England team can do better because they aren't playing anybody without experience. Yeah. You look at, um, you know, a lot of the players who go in for Samoa Tonga, for example, or Fiji will have, not played in national, even Nathan Cleary never played in national in his life. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of players who go in from that. Whereas from the England team, almost everybody in it has played grand finals and internationals. And whilst you might think the Super League isn't as good as the NRL, it certainly isn't. Like if you're playing the Super League grand final, it's a big bloody game. Like if you play for St. Helens, you have to win every single week in a way that if you're playing for Newcastle or the Canterbury Bulldogs, you don't. So it's a different sort of pressure. I think they'll be used to it and I think they'll be able to gel in a much more coherent way. I've kind of convinced myself of this, you know? <laughs> and I think the other thing is the draw because they will basically avoid Australia and New Zealand until the final. All going well, they should be on the other side of the draw to those two. Yeah. Which I think for England, they need to play themselves into the tournament. Look, if they win the first game against Samoa, I can see them cruising to the, to the semifinals, maybe even the final. Because if they get... If they go unbeaten by the point in time they get to a semi-final, which I think would be against one of Tonga and Samoa, like I think they'll smash them because they'll, they'll have the momentum. It'll have been all in the news for a month. It'll be the only thing that people are talking about. And England loves a bandwagon like as a country. <laughs> We've just seen it with the Women's European Football Championship. Like As soon as it looks like England might win, everyone will get behind them. It's going to be on the BBC. It'll be a big, you know, it'll be the biggest exposure the league's had in, in years. So... Come that point in the semi-final where it's knockout football against the Tonga or something like that, I back them. And then once you're in a final, you're in a final and, you know, you can you take the chances. But I think they that first game could be crucial. Well, that, So you're talking best case scenario, right? They go unbeaten in their group. They get a, a lucky start to the finals. And but they get to the end and they, they ride the wave of momentum. I'm going to say they don't get that scenario because I don't think they're going to win the first game. I think Samoa's got them in game one. That's my call. So I'm thinking, I'm actually thinking, like, my opinion, England will come second in their group. So that means they're on, they're probably going to be on a tougher side of the draw if they come second. They're going to be playing like a Tonga or or maybe an Aussie side, depending on results the other way. But yeah, I think they're going to, they're going to struggle. They're going to have to build that momentum at finals time, I think, and really get the excitement of the nation. Because, yeah, I, I can't see them passing Samoa. I hope I'm wrong for the home fans, but um, I think that's the... And that's and I think that's actually, you know, what you've mentioned there, them going through unbeaten in their group is the best-case scenario. The worst-case scenario for them, I think, will be losing that game against Samoa. I think they'll beat France comfortably. I think they'll beat um, Greece comfortably. Um, so there's definitely finals for England. Um, but yeah, whether they get that one or two spot is going to be critical for them in their group. Yeah, I, I also think there's there has historically been a bit of an underestimation with it as well in terms of if you look at the last World Cup, everybody was going nuts about Tonga, obviously because they were a new team. Yeah. But England did beat them relatively comfortably. It got a bit close at the end, but they were quite a long way in front, you know, and then kind of took the foot off the pedal. 
They also, um, in 2013, they lost the New Zealand in semi-finals in sort of fantastical circumstances where they were probably probably the better team throughout. So they have proven over the years that they can, you know, they can get themselves into that position. I think they've got the perfect coach to do that because that's kind of what Sean Wayne's all yeah. about. Like he's a results guy, he's a defence first guy, and all the stuff that England have usually failed at mentality-wise as well, thinking that they can't win. I think they'll back themselves to beat anybody other than Australia. You know, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah. It's, they, I don't know. I, I was um, recently talking about the 2003 series where they lost every the Great Britain team that lost every Ashes test in the last five minutes. Yeah. And that's kind of like emblematic of where, where English rugby league has been at ever since, in the intervening, what, 19 years. And I think that is the biggest hurdle that England have, is that those, the players who were in the team, they won't respect the NRL. They won't be like, oh, that's, you know, Kian Kolamatangi or whoever. Yeah. Like, they're going to be like, who is this guy? Like, we're going to beat him. That's how they'll think. They'll go in thinking 100% we're going to win this. And with that mentality, they can do it. And I think the only fear that they should have is the green and gold jumper that they've always been afraid of the, the one the one but they've yeah, got the one uh the door they can't open i suppose it's it's they need to it's it's a mental thing too they they can get to the end we saw it at the last world cup they came within six they just gotta they just gotta be able to ice it and and maybe sean wayne is the man to help them do that um i hope i'm wrong i don't think they can do it and i'm just i'm gonna i'm to, to our english listeners like Hearing an Aussie saying that, I hope that riles you up, and I hope it 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 you know gets gets the players ready to go. But um, I hope I do hope that I'm wrong because I'd love to see I'd love to see them win the trophy as uh, as our man Jammer James Graham said in his in his interview with you. So mate, would love to see it. Oh mate, I was sat across the table from James Graham, and he looked like he wanted to pull on a jersey and go and play <laughs> go and play himself. He gets riled up, man. He loves it. I love it. So. You know, it's it's always I always find these things. You know, I've watched the England rugby team since what nineteen ninety five World Cup. Yeah, I've been continually disappointed by them. So hope springs eternal. That is, it's it's the psyche of the uh, English sportsman. I've heard British sportsmen across England, Scotland, you know, Wales. Everybody is that you'll always think. You know, I remember. Here's my here's my final <laughs> note. Before the twenty nineteen Cricket World Cup, um, famously in the nineteen ninety nine Cricket World Cup. England were not knocked out before the single, the World Cup single had been released. And so somebody wrote a World Cup 2019 single called We'll Screw It Up about all the failures <laughs> of the England cricket team to that point. And they won the World oh, Cup. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, we, so please, we need a song. whoever wrote that song, <laughs> can you, somebody in the internet, can you make me a song about all the failures of the English rugby league team in the past? Because that is how they're going to win. That's the only way. Done. Sounds good. Well, my, my passing or my final comment is uh, if you're heading over there, Enjoy the fish and chips with mushy peas and gravy, and uh, good luck to England. Hi, Australia's first game is in all world capital fish <laughs> and chips. I think I will land like on the morning of that game, and I'm straight away fish supper, carvers in all. It's Love it. Me. I'm jealous. Uh, well, mate, that was our first World Cup chasing kangaroos episode. Let's call it the the World Cup chasers. That's the name. That's what we'll call it. World Cup chasers. Brought to you by the raw.com.au uh we'll try and get greece next time mate since we'll keep we we'll keep rolling out these group a nations let's get greece next time what do you reckon i was about to say yes in greece and i can't remember it is <laughs> we'll uh, ask mary Kay. 
That's Mary Kay, that's what she's Where is Mary Kay? We need a Greek. <laughs> she's Cypriot. Oh, she's half Cypriot, half Greek? I don't know. We'll ask her. Hey, Mike. Thanks for chasing with me, mate. That's all right. <laughs>